Good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And uh, good riddance to Tom DeLay. <laughs> good riddance to Zark. Bad rubbish. Zark Howie, uh, the man that was nobody knew anything about until America invaded Iraq. Um, just sort of a litany of brain damage awards to give out regarding that. I mean, obviously... This is a minor victory, but I don't think it's going to substantially alter the uh, landscape on the ground. It's also a little disconcerting to think that there's a $500 million price tag you know, associated with the costs in getting Zarqawi. Yeah. I'm not sure how many American you know, citizens taxes that represents, but uh, it's a little, little steep. A little sad. Sort of like using a bazooka to get an ant. Right. And, uh, of course, the military details are that one of the planes didn't even make it to the uh, target. It was still fueling in flight. Um, two 500-pound bombs, and he still survived briefly. Um, of course, three women died in the attack. And it was interesting how one of the women apparently was pregnant, so early reports said that a child died. Uh, that was later altered uh, to reduce the <laughs> casualty figure from seven to six. But if you really want to follow the Republican right-wing uh, definition of life, there's a friend of the fetus issue there. And uh, apparently it's okay, though, to uh, kill Iraqi fetuses. Well, yeah, frozen uh, test tube babies is the new uh, defense against any Republican administration. Forget the army. Uh, just line your city with uh, <laughs> millions of frozen, in vitro fertilized uh, eggs, and you might actually get the uh, right to life protesting uh, a bombing or two, perhaps. Um, but uh, I, you know, it's interesting. From there was obviously a ton of coverage on this. I uh, happened to actually be awake when I heard the news, and. Uh, one British expert said that Zarqawi killed uh, 650 Iraqis and about 45 foreigners in total. So when Donald Rumsfeld calls him the single greatest uh, person responsible for death, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, I think he exaggerates a tad. Uh, it ignores the uh, situation in the Sudan, <laughs> the Congo, indeed, uh, the war in Iraq, the war in Afghanistan, 9-11. Uh, and unbelievable hyperbole there. And I think it's very clear that his uh, specific influence had waned. There's all sorts of speculation that, in fact, a rival um, insurgent group may have turned him in. It's a little unclear the uh, 
whether Jordanian intelligence was actually involved in the ultimate tip that led to this uh, so-called success. And as uh, Anthony Cordesman pointed out, there are still 17 other insurgency groups in Iraq operating. And, of course, the sectarian violence uh, between Shiite and uh, Sunni goes on unabated. And who will be the next American idol? Which of these 17 insurgency group leaders will be the next Zarqawi, essentially? Well, and it's interesting that Zarqawi had even been admonished by, of all people, Ayman al-Zawari, uh, you know, some six months ago, who pretty much told him, get back to the business of killing Americans, not Muslims. <laughs> so uh, certainly this man was a uh, sinister force. Um but as I point out, uh, he was a big nobody until uh, America invaded Iraq. So I think the American media uh, avoided that issue in their analysis. Well, and yeah, that fact, of course, remains always lingering over the whole Saddam thing, too, that that's just never became part of the political discourse in this war, uh, the former support that Saddam enjoyed, so... Um, the old St- John Stockwell book uh, title, In Search of Enemies, uh, we'll define them, uh, we'll mow them down, we'll define another one. And it's just too bad that Ann Coulter wasn't in the, the compound uh, <laughs> trying to peddle her book when the 500-pound bombs uh, hit the building. And, of course, there's always a great American video that reassures the American people that war is not about death. It's it's about video games. Um, that is all classic uh, Pentagon uh, propaganda that uh, works so well with the vast majority of ignoramuses here in America. Well, there was an article over the... Uh, I'm not sure if you had another brain damage or we can uh, return to it in a moment. Um, over the weekend, uh, kind of a bizarre one by Ryan Lentz in the Associated Press... Uh, hurt soldier, excuse me, hurt soldiers refuse to retreat from Iraq, and it's basically about a number of uh, severely wounded individuals who express a great loyalty, uh, essentially to their fellow soldiers and uh, to the the whole uh, band of brothers sort of concept. Uh, and it's interesting that nowhere in here does the mission uh, factor into their willingness to return. But it almost struck me as a sort of a kind of Stockholm Syndrome uh, <laughs> effect here that, in other words, when people, uh, ca- captives, uh, begin to sympathize with the objectives and aims and security needs of their captors, um, that uh, soldiers on the ground in Iraq, American soldiers, whatever the ideology of uh, politics is and uh, the rhetoric there, the real mission is to survive as an individual, of course, and to try and help your buddies survive. Um, this article, I think, the the timing of it is interesting because we've had accounts of, uh, you know, disenchanted brass speaking out about the uh, softening and, and, you know, ultimate stretching to the breaking point of the army. And there have been a number of articles about uh, veterans against the war and families groups and so forth. So here you go, folks. This will make you feel like enlisting. Even these guys with no legs and a guy with no eyes wants to go back. Why don't you want to go? It's just a bizarre article. I mean, their their courage and their loyalty to their fellow soldiers is human and emotionally moving, but uh, it seems unfortunate that uh, the 
best way they can think of helping their fellow soldiers is to go back and fight and you know things happen like Haditha et cetera et cetera so just unfortunate unfortunate and yeah the president is the one without any eyes unfortunately indeed no ears no eyes uh, no brain uh, and uh, the war in Iraq will continue merrily on so to speak well the other great line from him over the weekend is uh, he's going to take a wait and see attitude yeah well isn't that what you the kind of attitude you have before you, you know, embroil a nation in war is a wait-and-see attitude. Or his great argument that, uh, I wouldn't keep the troops there if I didn't think we could achieve success. Well, I don't know how we achieve, achieve success. And, of course, uh, these uh, suicides uh, at Guantanamo Bay are just the latest chapter in a... Uh, Failure. Pathetic example of uh, the Bush administration's uh, ignorance and uh, actual hostility towards international law. Every um, civilized country in the world has called for the release of these prisoners and for this general, or actually I guess he's an admiral, I don't have his first name, Admiral Harris, to claim that the suicide was an act or form of asymmetrical warfare against the United States is just absolutely mind-boggling. What the hell? Uh, Repeat that. Well, and I'm paraphrasing here. He said he basically stated that the suicides in uh, Guantanamo were were in a form of asymmetrical warfare against the United States. Well, that's not fair, is it? Because it was a coordinated attack that apparently was designed to embarrass the United States, um, as if America can't be embarrassed already over the just absolutely ridiculous situation in Guantanamo. Uh, one of these people, by the way, was supposed to actually be released, uh, but he wasn't informed and apparently... Uh, Lost all hope. As a person in despair, uh, gave up the ghost. Um, Dear. And it's just uh, remarkable. And, and obviously this, of, of, of course, just sort of gets the subject away from the temporary success of nailing Zerkawi and three, wi three women and one pregnant woman <laughs> at that uh, to, um, you know, the real, the, the real failures of the Bush administration, which is the entire war on terror. Um, uh, well, I don't know what to say. But Guantanamo will remain open, uh, well, unfortunately. And uh, the Bush administration is waiting for a Supreme Court ruling on the matter after they've repeatedly uh, played uh, peekaboo with these prisoners. They won't give them hearings. They right. are ignoring standard American-British common law that dates back 800 years, habeas corpus, the uh, U.S. Constitution in some cases, and... Uh, most forms of international law. I mean, this is, I don't know if these prisoners, I understand they're given a copy of the Koran, but it might be useful to slip them a copy of the trial by Kafka. <laughs> they might actually get some inspiration from it. Then they would realize that they are in the same predicament as the uh, hero of the story, K. Joseph K., yeah. Well, actually, Bush, uh, in uh, an article here on this wait-and-see stance on Iraq, by Deb Reichman, uh, uh, met with the Danish Prime Minister over the weekend. And, of course, he is uh, part of the Coalition of the Willing, 520 troops. 
from Denmark. Uh, they probably specialize serving in under Britain. Baking at the Taco Bells that have been set up there. That's one of the things that's so appalling about the so-called reconstruction that, by the way, right. Bush called for today, is that most of the rebuilding that's actually occurring in Iraq with American... Inside American bases. Yeah. American tax dollars are actually devoted to putting up these four massive bases in Iraq that are obviously designed for a uh, permanent presence in Iraq, uh, regardless of when or whether the so-called Iraqi security forces stand up so that we can stand down. Right. Yeah. Well, these Danish troops are serving under British uh, leader, uh, British command in Basra. But uh, the Danish Prime Minister, Fog Rasmussen, uh, kind of openly reminded Bush that, well, yeah, he and others in Europe want to see Guantanamo closed. And uh, Bush's response is uh, touching. I assured him that we would like to end the Guantanamo. We'd like it to be empty. <laughs> end the... No, don't say torture. Can't say torture because it isn't torture. Um, but there are some that if put out on the streets would create grave harm to American citizens and other citizens of the world. And so their flouting of international law stands boldface in front of an ally right on the stage into a microphone. And, of course, one of the major architects of Guantanamo is our Attorney General, Alberto Gonzalez. And I'm kind of curious to f find out if these uh, suicides in Guantanamo were related to the fact that Hurricane or Tropical Storm Alberto was on the way. <laughs> Maybe that put the fear of God in them. And uh, that's just a reminder of something I heard amusingly today on uh, one of the public <laughs> radio stations about a uh, psychological weapon that the Pentagon has been very interested in uh, developing since the 60s, which is one of these microwave devices that creates the illusion that God is talking to the person. Yeah, when I thought, Burroughs gee, wouldn't that. that be brilliant? I mean, if you could have a device that uh, you could uh, project into Sarkawi's headquarters <laughs> and convince him that uh, Allah is talking to him, telling him to well, put yeah, down your weapons, <laughs> surrender. It sounds ludicrous, but believe it or not, William S. Burroughs wrote extensively about this in the uh, 70s and 80s, and uh, listeners who are interested should probably read his book called The Job. Um, and in it, uh, his discussion of this uh, psychological warfare, he talked about the uh, FBI uh, secret tapings of the numerous romantic affairs of Martin Luther King and uh, the attempted use of those tapes in that sort of a, uh, outside controlling voice, uh, you know, to mess with your head. So, Of course, another form of psychological warfare could be this. <laughs> Amusing item from the old, good old reliable police beat. Uh, this uh, from Traverse City, uh, published in the Ann Arbor News for some reason, about a man. And the, I just the headline just caught my my uh, fancy. My fancy. It says, "Man guilty of putting mouse in his burrito." <laughs> and I thought to myself, "I didn't know that was against the law." <laughs> no, wait a minute. Read on, Banquo. I must find out more. So it turns out this uh, character, this is what I like about this. He's uh, um, pleaded guilty on May 5th. Uh, this this item is, is dated the 23rd of May. He pleaded guilty on May 5th of a felony count of attempted false pretenses between $1,000 and $20,000. He had been jailed on a $100,000 bond pending sentencing. Sheriff investigators said that the suspect, Ryan Daniel Goff, 
complained to a restaurant employee January 24th that his burrito tasted funny. (laughs) That's in quotes. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Um, Says uh, Goff reported finding the mouse. uh, uh, Reported finding the mouse to the local health department. And Taco Bell, back in the uh, news here, uh, there are so many of them over there in Iraq, Uh, regional manager, uh, he complained to the regional manager, but investigators said his girlfriend told him that he purchased a frozen mouse at a pet store and slipped one of them into his burrito. (laughs) I thought, wow, this is bizarre, a frozen mouse that you can buy at the pet store, I believe, by the way. It's a snake, probably. Yeah, or for pet snakes. Um, the uh, uh, prosecutor Alan uh, Schneider said, "Quote: The plan was so ill-conceived from the beginning that it is more foolish than sinister." <laughs> here, here. Uh, why don't we get that man to go over to Iraq and open up a Taco Bell in which he can feed the insurgencies <laughs> bean burritos uh, con. Uh, El Mouse. Rodente. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, on a similarly humorous note, it's, it's unusual that I would uh, share a cartoon over the air, but this particular cartoon by Tom Tomorrow in a recent, uh, the June, in fact, edition of In These Times, uh, really is quite superb. He's a remarkable um, wit. But this one it really deserves a reading, especially since I received an email from a fellow station member last week regarding a recent uh, decision by the FCC. This is according to a broadcast law review about uh, recently uh, permissible expletives, words oh, that yeah. are now so commonly used that it's accepted to say them on the radio. And according to the FCC, uh, the commission held that the following words or phrases were not indecent or profane. In the context at issue, uh, poop, kick ass, uh, singers that suck, bitch, pissed off, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It's a list of, of words. Poop is the important word there because I'm going to have to substitute uh, a word in Tom Tomorrow's cartoon, uh, which uh, is a little uh, disappointing because uh, phonetically the joke is, is good here, but I think listeners will, will follow this nicely. Uh, it's a six-panel cartoon, and we're told, everybody knows he's lying. Picture of George Bush. You know, I just don't think there's anything tastier than a good old-fashioned Texas-style poop sandwich. Although I think crap sandwich is more phonetically pleasing, so I'll go with crap sandwich. That's the gag here. Or I always like crapola. Crapola. <laughs> Add a little Italian in honor of the World Cup. <laughs> there you go. Second square, we get a picture of Tim Russert. But the mainstream media pretend not to notice. Coming up next, just how tasty are crap sandwiches? We'll take an objective look at both sides of the issue. Third panel, we've got some Fox pundit. A right-wing pundit. Right-wing pundits are paid not to notice. Sure, I love crap sandwiches. Always have. If you ask me, anyone who doesn't love crap sandwiches probably doesn't love America either. Fourth panel, we see Hillary Clinton. Democrats are terrified of being noticed. When it comes to crap sandwiches, I believe what the American people believe, whatever that is. And rank and file will apparently swallow anything. He's my president, and if he says crap sandwiches are delicious, by God, I'm ordering two. <laughs> the second guy says, I might have disliked them once, long ago, but 9-11 changed everything. <laughs> Final panel. As for the rest of you, well, 
nobody really cares what you think. And the penguin, who is the lone voice of sanity, says, what kind of a sandwich? That sounds awful. (laughs) She'll alienate the red state voters. Tut, tut, irresponsible rhetoric. How many crap sandwiches are we going to be fed by this administration and media? It's... uh, it's almost approaching infinity. Uh, they come out daily. And, uh, yeah, it's, well, interestingly also, by the way, speaking of the FCC, I actually brought a clipping down for the entire station because they've uh, apparently decided to double the fines for expletives mm. on the air. So any CBNers out there be forewarned. The, the fine has gone up considerably. Um, and this, of course, is why Howard Stern is... <laughs> On the satellite, but losing listeners all the same. Yeah, he's always been a moron. <laughs> uh, just real quickly, Tom DeLay, of course, resigned last week uh, officially, and it's interesting that he had a uh, farewell party at a French restaurant in uh, Washington, D.C. This is the guy that uh, went out of his way to uh, insult the French uh, repeatedly after uh, their refusal to participate in the war in Iraq. But one of my favorite all-time Tom DeLay quips is this interesting comment about the problem of youth violence, which, uh, interestingly, was in the news today because uh, apparently for the first time in 25 years, uh, violent crime in America has gone up uh, this past year. Tom DeLay said, Guns have little or nothing to do with juvenile violence. And this was in response at the time, by the way, to the Columbine. Uh, high school deaths. The cause of youth violence, said DeLay, are daycare, the teaching of evolution, and working mothers who take birth control pills. Okay. <laughs> Words of wisdom from Tom DeLay. <clears throat> That's right out of the Pat Robertson book of uh, misogyny. And of course, he uh, will go down in history as one of the most partisan, corrupt congressmen that's ever been there. I think he's eventually uh, going to be implicated in some sort of bribery uh, situation because oh, there's just, there's so just much too many too many aides around him have pleaded guilty to uh, felonies. Um, so hopefully he'll uh, spend some time in the pokey uh, with his buddy Jack Abramoff. Well, hopefully in due course, but we'll see. By the way, uh, just another uh, quick brain damage award that I wanted to get (laughs) rid of. I noticed uh, this past week that the uh, Republican-led legislature in the state of Michigan has decided to take on the really important public issue of motorcycle helmets. Um, They are basically creating a kind of a phony political issue because they know that Jennifer Granholm is going to veto this bill and they want to create angers amongst those bikers out there, Um, they voted in an incredible act of stupidity um, to uh, repeal the helmet law here in the state of Michigan. And, I mean, there's just incredible factual data that shows that helmet laws work and that the only result of uh, not having helmet laws are increased... uh, taxpayer expenses under Medicare, Medicaid, whatever, increased insurance costs, etc. And it was interesting. Increased fatalities. <laughs> increased fatalities. And it was interesting that just today, while I was watching the World Cup, they had a ticker item about the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers, 
Ben Roethlisberger, who they just won the Super Bowl. He had a motorcycle accident in Pittsburgh. Uh, obviously, he went airborne. He wasn't wearing a helmet, and uh, he's got a broken jaw, gashes to the head. He's in serious condition, uh, but he wasn't wearing a helmet, and uh, maybe the Republican-led legislature, which is, they're trying to create these sort of phony side issues that create a lot of emotion amongst little tiny groups about outrages of the government. Right. Because this is a sort of a libertarian argument. Um, Whether or not we should have motorcycle helmet laws is a matter of debate. Uh, I think that clearly the evidence, the empirical evidence is clear cut on it. Uh, motorcycle fatalities, by the way, have been increasing in recent years, not because of motorcycle helmet laws, but because of uh, uh, increased motorcycle ridership. And well, I think a decline in uh, road courtesy as well. I think yeah. there's been a substantial decline in that. And how many motorcycle years. deaths are linked to drivers uh, <clears throat> on cell phones? One doesn't know because I'm sure that the motorcyclists are not on cell phones. That would be rather hard to do. So uh, this is just another example of, of, of these side issues that the um, GOP is trying to raise. We saw the estate tax debate last week in the U.S. Congress. Uh, we saw the gay marriage amendment that went down to defeat in the Senate. So what is the House of Representatives going to do? They're going to debate it <laughs> and have a vote on it sometime in the near future. For what purpose other than to just generate more sort of phony headline issues, no one knows because, you know, as every uh, civics high school person knows, to amend the Constitution, you have to get two-thirds of the Senate and the House, and then it's got to be ratified by all 38 states, 38 out of the 50 states. This, by the way, is why we don't have an ERA amendment. Uh, The delightful red states in the old Confederacy refused to ratify that amendment. So it's, it's, it's actual total politics to even bring this up as as a serious congressional bill when they know it's going to be defeated, let alone getting the 67 votes. I mean, it didn't even pass the United States Senate. Classic demagoguery. Well, expect more, too, because uh, according to uh, the weekend papers, and I'm sure today as well, uh, Bush was conferring today at Camp David with National Security Advisors, and members of cabinet uh, to deal with the the, the dreaded approval rating decline and uh, increasingly uh, cloudy prospects for Republicans in November. So I guess expect more avian flu type uh, articles as well. Yeah, and his big future. problem at the end of the day, dis- despite the fact that there probably just simply won't be uh, any progress in Iraq and, of course, a deteriorating situation in Afghanistan, that's been... Uh, finally documented by the media that isn't even in Afghanistan for the most part. Uh, I noticed that the Ann Arbor News actually had a front-page story about the uh, increasing number of deaths in Afghanistan due to the recent uh, resurgence of the Taliban and other um, al-Qaeda-related groups over there. But it's this this funky economy, too. Uh, Bush is getting absolutely no traction on his theory that the economy is doing quite well. Um, he's just simply wrong. It's a theory. It's a theory because all the actual empirical data shows that it's 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 got mixed 
uh, data and that most uh, middle class, lower middle class, and basically 80% of the population are doing much worse. Um, there are continuing uh, inflation problems. Uh, this perception that mortgage uh, rates are, are going up. It's interesting that uh, since the beginning of the new year, by the way, uh, due to the adjustable mortgage uh, rate increases that the Federal Reserve has been involved in, and Bran- Branke has been trying to reassure markets that he's going to be a hawk on inflation uh, with his comments, uh, more transparent than Greenspan, but it's interesting that the stock market has gone down a remarkable amount in just the last two weeks under this pre- ridiculous fear that interest rates are going up another quarter percent. But foreclosures in Texas... Uh, up 22%. In Indiana, 600% from a year ago. In Georgia, wow. 300%. So there, uh, there is a housing bubble out there. Uh, there are increasing in, uh, interest rates. There's increasing health care costs, increasing college tuition, and increasing state and local taxes due to the fact that the federal government over the past uh, 25 years under the so-called Reagan revolution that Bush has also pursued. Well, the schools locally, I mean, and across yeah. the nation, are running out of money for things like school sports. Yeah. So and everybody's tapped out. Budget cuts are, are occurring all over the place in key areas of the economy. And, of course, uh, the United States continues to spend $5 billion a week in Iraq uh, trying to achieve success. Whatever that might be. And uh, the recent unemployment numbers show that uh, the, those numbers are weakening. So there is a perfect storm starting to build, uh, something that I'll probably talk a little bit about in a couple of weeks, because uh, I'm going to be in Tennessee ne- uh, this weekend uh, for Bonnaroo. Sounds good. Well, uh, it's straight up 7 o'clock. You're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Yazoo City Calling should be uh, underway eventually, if not momentarily. We'll uh, see how that goes by ear. I'm sure uh, it'll be getting underway soon, folks. Uh, just an interesting item here about um, a little biological warfare and the war on drugs in Colombia. Uh, back in April, uh, the New York Times ran a full-page ad from the Bausch & Lomb uh, Corporation uh, announcing a recall uh, or a potential health threat to 30 million Americans who wear soft uh, contact lenses about an infection of Fusarium keratitis, an infection uh, which is a mold-like fungus that penetrates the cornea and can lead to blindness. Well, uh, this chemical, this very same chemical, is being dropped wholesale uh, on against uh, drug crops in mm-hmm. Colombia. And, you know, nobody knows what the long-term effects of continued human exposure to this might be uh, because, in fact, it is a sort of organism that will mutate and develop unforeseeable strains. So uh, here we are potentially blinding countless thousands of Colombians in uh, pursuit to uh, prop up that country's military dictatorship. Yeah, and their investors are probably blinded just because today I heard that Colombia had its all-time biggest drop in their stock market. Anyway, we're out of time this evening. Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling is coming up next right here on WCBN FM and Arbor. Thanks to Chaz for engineering this evening. Good night. Wayne Kramer, you're listening to WCBN in Ann Arbor. A square, y'all.
This is Jake and Jake at WBCN. John Ted. SWCBN. WBCN. Night from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Ann Arbor. Yeah, I was there during the 60s when the universe made something. All right, so hi guys out there in Ann Arbor. Now we're going to. WBCN. 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 Yeah.